Hi guys, hope everyone's well and welcome back to the Improvement Podcast. Hope everyone's day's going great so far. So, this podcast I'm going to touch on isolations versus compound movements. And uh, I'll just cover briefly what each of them are, just so you've got a rough understanding. So, isolation movements isolate one body part, as the word suggests. So, it might be something like a bicep curl, a hamstring curl, leg extension... Or, yeah, something along those lines. Or like a lateral raise, maybe you could consider an isolation movement. One where you're trying to isolate one body part, really. Whereas a compound movement, it's basically the opposite. So that would be something like the squat, something like the leg press, the hack squat. Or if you're talking about upper body, like the bench press or bent over row. Ones where you're not trying to isolate one muscle group or there's multiple muscle groups involved during the exercise where multiple parts of your body are moving, basically. And they both have their benefits. And in terms of the benefits, the benefits of each are, in terms of isolation exercises, you're not going to be recruiting a lot of other muscle groups. So let's say you have weak weak biceps, and you don't want to just be doing rows for your biceps. If you do a bicep curl, you'll isolate your bicep and be able to grow it effectively. And as well as that, isolation movements aren't as fatiguing, which means they don't bring about as much physical and mental tiredness. For example, if you've ever done like a really, really hard set of like squats or deadlifts, you just feel like dead after it, like both physically and mentally, you just feel done in. Whereas you don't get that if you're doing like a bicep curl, it's a uh, different. So the the reason why that's important to know is we don't want to just be doing things like compound movements for every exercise because we'll get a ton of fatigue we'll just be smashed into the ground and we won't perform well in future sessions whereas we don't want to just do isolation movements because we'll be training all day and uh, just messing about like if you try and do an isolation movement for every part of your back you could just do a deadlift and then a row and a pull down instead probably get same same work from it same progress from it while also targeting your legs which is a good example why you don't want to just do isolation exercises, so a bit of both is valuable in my opinion. And in terms of what's most important when structuring isolations versus compounds is progressing movements. So uh, in terms of what, yeah, that's just most important because if you, it doesn't matter which one you have first if you're not trying to progress the weight and you're not pushing yourself during the movement. So. Research shows there's actually no major differences in muscle growth if you do one before the other. However, I'm going to talk a bit more about that and tell you why I think it's still definitely 100% important when it comes to structuring your program. And uh, the reason why, first of all, enjoyment. So we know we're only going to progress if we can do something consistently because we're only going to progress so much in the week. So if you hate going in the gym and doing isolations first, you love doing compound movements to start off your session and uh, it's a make or break between you turning up for your session or just missing it, then you can't argue the other way about it's going to be more effective. So what's most important, as I said, is you turning up, showing up and training. So if something stops you from doing so, it's not optimal, as I've said in the past. So enjoyment comes first, which is something to bear in mind, not only with the order, but exercise selection, what days you train, etc. Next up is strength. So the strength of, let's say, your squat or your leg press or your hack squat, 
is important when it comes to structuring your exercises. For example, let's say you have really, really bad knees. Uh, you've got knees of an eight-year-old, and when you do like something like a barbell back squat or a hack squat first, just a big compound movement, your knees are in bits after. They're really sore. Whereas, let's say you went on the leg extension and hamstring curl, and then you done the compound movements. So that's what I actually do. Let's say when you do that, you do the isolation movements beforehand, you don't have any pain. You lift a bit less on the hack squat, but you're still reaching failure, and you're still training hard. Then, if it stops you from having pain, that causes you to be out the gym, then that's definitely a bit more effective on paper, in my opinion. Because if you're really, really strong at an exercise and doing like isolation movements, bring the weight down a bit, it's it's not the end of the world. So that doesn't mean you're not going to be progressing because you're not lifting as much. Because you're doing things beforehand. What matters, regardless of the order of your exercises, is they're trending up like long term. So that definitely comes first. So yeah, that's something to consider if you've got any like aches or pains or that. And let's say... Let's say something's a weakness as well. So let's say you train legs and you do the hamstring curl at the very end of your workout. And that's the only hamstring exercise you do. And let's also say your hamstrings are a weakness. That doesn't make much sense to me. And uh, I hope you agree or see my point anyway. You're not going to have as much energy if you do something last. You're not going to have as much focus if you do something last. So that leads me to believe that... It's going to be a bit more effective doing what body parts weak first, which is uh, what I tend to do if necessary with uh, clients and I'd suggest it to my coach for myself if uh, necessary. And as well as that, let's say you're dieting. So that's something my coach has actually spoke about himself, what he's doing with his training. So he's moved his leg extension to later on in the session after his hack squat and his like leg press and the reason why is because he's not got a lot of energy and focus at that point he's quite fatigued he's dieting he's really 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 lean the now so it doesn't make sense to prioritize leg extension because if you have if you think about what you're going to get the most out of on paper it's probably going to be the hack squat and the leg press because they're big compound movements they'll train multiple muscle groups they'll require as like probably the most focus and effort and aggression, like getting hyped up for the set to perform well. So it makes sense having them first, which is probably, which is like I said, why he's done so. So yeah, that's something very important to consider. And if like the last set of your session, you're never given it 100% or you will not be given it as like 100% as if it was before, like earlier on in the session, which is important. So next up, what I want to touch on is just if if you like, let's say you've done a barbell back squat in your program, you do that last. You're probably your legs are going to be in bits from the session. You'll probably feel like you're wobbling about a bit, and they're really sore your legs, and you won't be able to per, like just perform well in the session. Like I said, if I have to pick an isolation exercise or like a big compound movement to do last, and Let's say I'd, let's say you don't perform hundred percent on the exercise. I'd rather see that go to a small isolation exercise, to be honest, than a big one. So next up, in terms of what 
will affect if you do isolations or compounds first is the length of the muscle that's getting worked. What I mean by this is when we train, when we're in the gym, let's say we've not done any sets where our muscles are nice and fresh, they're not tired, You're, it's easier to fully contract or in other words fully shorten a muscle which means like fully straighten your leg on a leg extension, fully curl your leg on a hamstring curl for example or fully contract your bicep on a bicep curl. Another one is like the top of the chest fly when you're squeezing your like hands, not your hands, your like arms into your pec and squeezing your chest. We can't do that as effectively as the session goes on as we get fatigued and more tired. So as a result it makes sense to put that at the start of the session because we don't really get that fatigued in like the middle and lengthened range like when we're stretching muscles like uh, at the bottom of like a leg press, bottom of a hack squat, bottom of a barbell bench press, we don't fatigue too much there and the ability to lift a lot of weight doesn't really change as much as it does in the shortened range, in a fully contracted range. So that lends itself to like putting leg isolation movements first like I said and doing movements where you fully contract your muscle, putting them like closer to the start of your session. But saying that, like I was talking about with my coach, if you are dieting and you feel like you just drop off, you really perform poorly towards the end of your session, then it makes sense to put the compound movements first because they're going to be the most bang for your buck. So it's not like a it's not like a one size fits all approach or like a answer works for everyone. It's going to be personal dependent. But what I try and do with this podcast is just give you the tools so you can have some understanding of why you should do things a certain way and you can make changes yourself. <clears throat> so, next up is stress in the lengthened range. So, if you like go into the gym first thing, let's say you absolutely bury yourself in a hack squat, your knees touching, no sorry, your hamstrings touching your calf, you take it through like an extreme range of motion or you do it with like a tricep extension or the same for like a hamstring curl and you do like a really really big harsh stretch that's going to be a bit a bit harsh on your joints in my opinion especially like on a like on a hack squat maybe or like doing some overhead tricep work let's say you're doing an overhead rope extension that's going to be harsh on your elbows so that lends itself to do movements that don't give your muscles a extreme stretch first because in my opinion when you want to do an extreme stretch is probably the best time when you've got tons of blood in your muscle. For example, let's say I've done leg extensions, I've done another exercise for my quads as well, then I went on to absolutely bury myself and put my like calf against my hamstring, get an extreme range of motion on it. It's going to feel a bit better if you're really, really warm, you've done tons of exercises, you've got plenty of blood in your muscle. So yeah, that's something very valuable to consider as well. Uh, but that's about it. That's all I've got to cover today. So to summarise, the most important thing is to progress movements. As I said, research showed no major difference. Saying that, they didn't have like a full training programme in the research paper I saw. It was like two exercises or something like that. So you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. It's not like uh, it doesn't mean that's automatically right just because it was out in research because research proves itself wrong all the time so it's something yes to consider to help you make decisions when you're training but shouldn't 
be set in your ways on it and take it as ghost like take it as like it's not black and white it's not definitely correct if that makes sense but like i said it's things to consider so yeah hope you enjoyed the podcast any questions any topics you'd like me to cover just give me a shout if you made it to the end please share this on your story like subscribe comment or whatever you're listening on do something (laughs) to help it grow but yeah thank you very much for listening hope everyone has a great day